Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to hopefully finish up Luke chapter 18, and today we're going to be looking at the story that Luke tells about the rich young ruler. Now, I, I believe it's uh, Mark's version of this story where the rich young ruler, he comes running up to Jesus, and he's going to talk to Jesus. And so we can see the excitement that is uh, uh, on the face, if you will, of this rich young ruler as he comes running up to Jesus and asking the question of how he can inherit eternal life. But uh, we're going to read Luke's version, since that's where we're at here in chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. And we're going to break this story down. Luke writes, Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother. And the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And when Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw this, he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. And those who heard Jesus say this, they said, Then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. And Peter said, We've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. So yes, like I said, it's Mark's version of the story. This rich young ruler, as he's called, he comes running up to Jesus as fast as he can and he actually kneels down before Jesus. And then he asks, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What a great question to ask the very one who is on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of mankind. What do I have to do to have eternal life with you, with God in heaven? What a question that we all should be asking. What do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to have eternal life with you in heaven? And 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 uh he he this rich young ruler, he's come to the right place. He's come to the right person. He's come with the right attitude. And Jesus has just talked about being humble. And so he's showing that he is humble as he comes running up to Jesus and he kneels down before Jesus. And he says, I I, want to be saved. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And so he asks the right question. And and we we can see kind of the the desire of his heart because he says, I want to, this is basically what he's saying. He says, I want eternal life with you in heaven what do i have to do and so jesus gives him the answer and as jesus has given him the answer it's almost as if the kid interrupts jesus 
because Jesus is popping off the command. He says, here's what you got to do. You got to keep the commandments. You know the commandments. And here they are. And he starts popping off the commandments. And as Jesus is going through the commandments, it's like the guy interrupts Jesus. And he says, hey, I've done all these things since I was a kid. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm so excited. And Jesus is like, oh, wait a minute. Don't don't get too excited just yet because there's something that, that you haven't done that, that, that you need to do. And, and Jesus, feeling genuine love for the, the, the kid, he says, there's still, there's still one thing that you haven't done. Go and all that stuff that you have back at home, because I know you're rich and you've acquired a lot of stuff. All that stuff that you have at home, it's worth a lot of money and that you take pride in, that, that you know, all these goals, all, all of these accolades that you've accomplished, all these uh, uh, trophies that you have, all these mounts that you have on your wall, all of these accomplishments that you've done on your own. It's very well done. But hey, take all of that stuff and sell it and then give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and, and, and follow me. And when we was talking about that in the last podcast, uh, 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 about having our heart in the right place and, 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 and not trusting in ourselves, but trusting in God, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And on the outside, it, it seemed like this guy's heart was in the right place. He's been serving God. He's been keeping the commandments since he was a young kid. But Jesus exposes the true heart of the rich young ruler. When he says, all that stuff that you've got back at home, go sell it and give the money to the poor. He has been, his heart, his real true heart has now been exposed because in verse 22 it says, at this the man's face fell. I mean, you just, he runs up to Jesus and he kneels down before Jesus. I want to go to heaven with you, Jesus. I want to inherit eternal life with you and with the Father. I want to be with you for eternity. What do I have to do? Well, keep the commandments. Oh, I've kept all the commandments since I was a kid. I got this in the bag. It's it, it's mine. I, I'm I'm going to heaven. No, no. You, you need to sell all that stuff that you have at home and give the money to the poor. And then come and follow me. And and he went from being excited to being so sad. You could just see the countenance change on his face. And it says the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now, can you imagine coming face to face with God himself? Face to face with Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem to die for your sins. What do, you have to do? What do I have to do to be saved? And you're talking to God himself, the very one who is about to die on the cross for your sins. You've come to the right place. You're asking the right question. And he gives you the answer and you say no. And you walk away sad, brokenhearted, because you love your stuff. And you don't want to give up your stuff and give the money to the poor. And so you say no to the face. Look at him eyeball to eyeball. You say no thank you. No, thank you. Today that I'm recording this, it is Good Friday. It is the day that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It is the day that he was beaten beyond recognition, as Isaiah says in chapter 52, toward the end of the chapter. It is the day that he hung on the cross for six hours, struggling to breathe. 
and, and, and he gives up his spirit and, and he, he cries out to God and, 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 and he's left hanging there in disgrace, naked, put on public display and, and, and to be humiliated. And now it's up to two Pharisees to take him off the cross and bury him before six o'clock because uh, 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 the Sabbath day is about to start and, and they put him in the tomb and he, now he's dead and he's gone, he's buried and uh, he, he, he'll rise from the dead and in three days. But can you imagine? It, 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 it's, Jesus is on his way to down the cross and, and, and for the sins of, of this man and for our sins and, and to come face to face with Jesus himself and to ask that very question, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives us the answer and we're looking at him eyeball to eyeball, face to face, and we say, no thanks, I can't do that. I like my stuff too much. In verse 23 through 27, Jesus looked around and he said to, he, he said to the people, he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed the people. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Very hard to enter. Oh, oh, I thought it was easy to enter the kingdom. I thought I just had to say a little prayer and, you know, and, and, and raise my hand at the end of the, the, the preacher's sermon if I want to be safe. That's what he told me I had to do. Just raise my hand and count to three and say this little prayer that we say together with the whole congregation. I thought it was that easy. Oh, but listen to what Jesus says. How hard it is for the rich. To, well, I'm not rich. We'll talk about that in just a second because you're richer than what you think you are. And matter of fact, I'm just going to plan, plan out and say you are rich. And I'll explain that in just a second. How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazes the people. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. And he says, the disciples said, Who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Let's break this down just for a minute. Jesus is looking around at his disciples in the crowd and he says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And so we get this idea then that, that rich people are just going to have a hard time getting in. So we have to define who, who are the rich people. What does it mean to be rich? You know, And we think of people with huge houses, million dollar homes, million dollar bank accounts, lots of cars, expensive cars, people who have maids and butlers and, 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 and Lots of money, but uh, I want to I want to help you come down to earth for just a second. I want to share a staggering statistic that I take that I have taken from GoBankingRates.com, and it says this: It says the average per capita income worldwide is ten thousand dollars ten thousand two hundred ninety eight dollars, according to the World Bank. So we're talking about rich. What does it mean to be rich? Does it mean I gotta have a lot of money to be rich? Well, according to this website, the worldwide the average worldwide income is barely over ten thousand dollars, and the differences in between uh, in income between the poorest countries and the richest countries in the world is staggering. Per capita annual incomes world worldwide range from two hundred eighty dollars in Burundi to 82,230 in Norway with the US, the United States in between at 56,000 
$180. So according to the World Bank, if you make over $10,000 or $10,298 a year, you are considered rich. That's only $858.17 a month. If you're making over $850 a month, you are considered rich according to the world's standard when it comes to income. Man, my, my house payment alone is almost $1,300. It's not even a big house. It's just an 1,800 square foot house. It's a normal house with a little half acre of land. Nothing special. And it, it, it's even... It, it, it's. It's even acquired interest since then. It's worth a lot more money than what I paid for it because the housing market has gone crazy. I could sell it for a lot more money than what I paid for this house. But my house payment is four or $500 more than what the average income is worldwide. So according to the world's definition of rich, I'm rich because I make over $850 in a month's time. As a matter of fact, that's about what I make in a week's time. And, and, and so, does that make me rich? Yes, it makes a lot of us rich. People who are on poverty level make that much in the United States. So, we have to define what it means to be rich. And I would dare say the majority of the people who are in the United States, even if they're on the poor end of the income level, they are still considered rich by the world's standard of being rich. Now, listen again to what Jesus said to his disciples. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now see, the problem is not having a bunch of stuff and, and having a bunch of money and having money. It, it's good to have money saved up for your, what uh, Dave Ramsey calls the rainy day fund. It's good to have money in the bank so you can pay your bills and not have to worry uh, about money. It's good to, to, you know, if your car tears up, it's good to have money in the bank to be able to pay for it. it, it it's good to have a job that pays well that that provides for your family and your bills are being paid there's nothing wrong with that many people that are successful many people that are rich more rich than i am uh the problem is is it's not that they have a bunch of stuff it's not that they have a bunch of money it's not that they have a big car and, and uh, a big house and fancy cars the problem is their heart because what what happens is People who are successful, people who are rich, they put their trust in themselves or they put their trust in the company that they work for or maybe that they have built. They've worked very hard from the ground up and have and have come through the ranks of their business and, and now they're way up here on the ladder and they're getting paid well. They're very successful. Or they've worked very hard with their own hands and they've built their own company. And now their, their business, their company is very successful. And they don't feel like that they need God because, hey, I've done this my own. I've done it with my own hands. I've done it with my hard, uh, my hard labor myself. And, and so since they've worked so hard to get where they are, they, they really cherish their stuff because they worked hard to buy that stuff, to have the money to be able to buy that stuff. 
and and they have acquired all of that stuff uh, with their hard-earned money that they earned with their own hands, and they've put countless and countless of hours into their job, into their company, into their position to get where they are. And, and, and so what happens is we, the people who are successful, they tend to look at what they have done without God's help. And that's the same problem that the rich young ruler had. He, he loved his stuff, all this stuff that he has acquired over time and and with his hard-earned money, he has bought this stuff, and he loves it so much, and he does not want to let go of his stuff. He does not want to sell it and take that money and give it to these poor people over here because they haven't done anything. They're not doing anything, and he's worked hard for this stuff, and he, he don't want to sell it to give to these poor people over here who don't deserve it in his eyes. And so the treasure then becomes... It, their treasure is what they see all around them. It's, it's in their accolades. It's in their trophies. It's in their bank account. It's in their house. It's in their, their, their job. It's in their cars. It's in all of this stuff that they have acquired with their own hands, these tangible things that, they, that, that we can literally reach out and, and, and touch and grab. We, we have acquired these things by our hard work and in our minds, hey, we did this without God, so therefore I don't need God. But see, here's the problem with that. The problem is, you know, you may be you may have acquired all that stuff without God's help, but you know what God did? He He allowed you to breathe. He allowed you to get up out of the bed that morning. He allowed you to, to, to walk around and move about and have your being because He can take all of that from you in in, in, in the blink of an eye. And and if we're not careful when we're looking at all this stuff. We think, well, hey, I have done this without God, therefore I don't, I don't need God. They, and 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 the and if you want the the facts, the fact is, no matter how good we are, no matter all this stuff that we've acquired, we can't save ourselves. We can only be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's no amount of money, and there's no amount of things that we can do. That, that would make us good enough to get into heaven without the blood of Jesus Christ. We have to have the blood of Jesus washing our sins away. And, and, and it's hard for rich people to humble themselves. That's what Jesus has been talking about to his disciples here, about humility. And, and not being like the Pharisees and trusting in their own selves and their own self-righteousness. He's telling them they have to humble themselves before God and say, God, I need you. I got to have you because I can't do it without you. And rich people, people who have worked hard all their lives and acquired a bunch of stuff and climbed the social ladder and the economic ladder and they're well off, they tend to think, hey, I've done this on my own without God. Therefore, I don't need God um, but the fact is, you do need God because no matter how much money you have, no matter how many things that you have, you cannot trade that stuff. You cannot take all of your money and buy salvation. It, 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 the price has already been paid and it's freely given by Jesus Christ, by God Himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can be, when we come to Christ and we ask, uh, it, 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 when we practice humility and we come before 
the throne of God and we, 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 we have to first come to the cross and die to ourselves and, 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 and put on God or put on Christ, as, as Paul says, that we're clothed with Christ and we're filled with God's Holy Spirit when we're baptized in that watery grave and we come out of that water, a new creation in Christ, and we're filled with God's Holy Spirit. That is the only way that we can make it into heaven. Um, I was watching an interview this week with a, 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 a guy that's been in a fa- or still is in a, a famous band uh, from the 80s. And uh, in this interview, the guy's talking about all of these like habitat houses that he has built and, and he owns restaurants that, that feeds the poor in, his, in the neighborhoods. He's donated millions and millions of dollars to, to all these different charities. And, and not one time in that interview does he ever mention God. And, and, and not one time did he mention Jesus and how God has blessed him or what Jesus has done for him. In fact, he even says that he is a recovering, uh, I'll call it, he is a recovering Catholic, whatever that means. Um, and so as all you can multiply those deeds that this, this singer has done a million times over, and it will, it will still not get him in. To heaven and also during the interview he talks about how uh, how he made his money and, and, and this is what he says he says I, I know how I know how to write songs and I'm good at performing those songs not one time did he say you know God has given me these talents God has given me this voice God has given me these abilities to play these instruments and, and put it all together into this band he, it never not one time did he say you know, God has blessed me with these talents. But he did say, uh, uh, he said that he, that he didn't say this, but you could tell by the way he was saying, he, he was saying this, that he trusted in himself, he trusted in his band, and he trusted in his money. Now, I, I've never known the guy. I never met the guy. I don't know the guy personally. I've never met him, like I said. I've listened to his music uh, some of it since the 80s. Um, but uh, I don't know if he's ever accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But I do know this. That all of that stuff ain't getting him into heaven. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. And here's this rich young ruler He's come face to face with Jesus himself and he walked away saying, no thanks. You know, and unfortunately, people today do the same thing. We don't want to do what it takes to make it to heaven. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way and we want to live our own lives. And we don't want people, especially some God that we can't see, telling us how to live our lives. And that's why Jesus said it is hard to get into heaven. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Matthew says, uh, you can, this is God, uh, Jesus talking actually, he says, you can, enter God's, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, and the highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose, there are many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You see, Hell is the opposite of heaven. It's 
it's it's hard. Jesus said it's hard to get into heaven, but the opposite of that, it's easy to get into hell. To go to hell, all you have to do is do your own thing. Don't live for Jesus. Don't put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in your riches. Put your trust in your own hands. Put your trust in yourselves like the Pharisees were doing. That's what Jesus, that's why he's even telling his disciples this stuff. He's saying, don't be like those Pharisees. They're, they're, they're self-righteous. They're, they, they, they think they can do it on their own, and they can't. You have to have me. You have to have Jesus. And so if we want to go to heaven, we have to humble ourselves. That's what Jesus is talking about, humility. So we have to humble ourselves, admit that we cannot do it on our own, that we are a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, All is sin to come short of the glory of God, and that we need a Savior. And, and, and like I mentioned a while ago, these churches, man, who, who, who they preach, and at the end of the sermon, they'll say, you know, bow your head, close your eyes, nobody's looking around, raise your hands if you, know, if you want to accept Christ, or they'll say something similar to this. And then they, the whole group, the whole church, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 20 years, you're, you're still saying the prayer with these sinners, you're, what they call the sinner's prayer. And, and, and they say, okay, you're saved. And, and, and the, there is nothing scriptural about that whatsoever. There's not one example anywhere in the Bible that this takes place. Um, but that's not the point of this podcast. I, 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 Jesus said, I want to refocus here. Jesus said, for us to go make disciples. Too many times churches today, they focus on getting, uh, or getting someone saved. And once that person makes that commitment to follow Jesus, they're forgotten about. They're left to make it on their own. And the problem is, these people don't know anything about following Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They don't know the Word of God. They, they've never study the bible they, they probably hadn't sit in one sunday school class their whole life they they probably maybe had just started coming to church and and, and hearing about jesus they barely even know jesus they just know enough that hey i need a savior because i need my sins forgiven so they put their trust in jesus they've been washing the blood of jesus they've been filled with his holy spirit and and, and now they're on their way to heaven but they're not very familiar with the Word of God. And and studying it could be difficult, especially if they have the King James versions. It, it can be hard for them to read. And that's why Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is so, so important. And I shared this on a previous podcast several times, but I want to read it again. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. See, one another. We're, we're to help each other to make it to heaven. We're not doing this on our own, not with our own two hands, not with all our accolades, not with all the stuff that we've acquired. No, we got to have Jesus, right? And we got to have one another to encourage one another. And so we're thinking of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And not, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And that's the reason why we come together as the body of Christ is because we are to encourage one another, to motivate one another. If you're down, I'm, I, I need to help you up. I need to pray for you. I need to help uh, get you back on your feet again and, to, and to, to encourage you not to give up, but to, to endure and to keep walking with Jesus. But I can't do that if I'm not meeting together with you. 
You can't do. You can't encourage me if we're not meeting together. That's why it's so important that we be in God's Word. But not only are we in God's Word, but that we are meeting together, discussing God's Word, but praying for one another and encouraging each other, and motivate one another, motivating one another to love and <clears throat> good works. Because you don't win the race if you quit. You don't win the race if you quit the race. Revelation 2.10 uh, says, Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. This is The church is about to go into persecution. Jesus says, The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will suffer for ten days. But, uh, and that's not a literal number. That's a figurative number. But if you remain faithful, and this is the, the key part, but if you remain faithful amongst all this persecution, if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus says, He that endures to the end will be saved. We don't win the race if we don't finish the race. We don't win the race if we quit. We don't want nobody quitting. And that, that's, that's why we're here doing this podcast. That's why I'm studying God's Word with you. That's why I reach out to you and say, hey, if you have a need, if you have a problem, if you're enduring a life challenge, if you're going through a storm and you need prayer or any way that I could possibly help you, I'll tell, and I'll say it again, contact me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and I, I will uh, answer your request promptly. But you know, don't try to do this on your own. We've got to have each other. When Jesus said to his disciples, it is hard to get into heaven, he knew that the challenges that they were, they were about to be faced with, the beatings, the persecution, the death even, that, that some of them is going to be facing um, because of their faith in him. And, and really today in the United States, we're not really persecuted a lot there is some persecution, um, and sometimes people do die for their faith, but for the most part, we're not really persecuted, and yet we have people losing their faith day after day after day after day and, and, and for just the smallest of things. They get discouraged. They get mad at somebody in the church. They get mad at the preacher or something he said or something he didn't do or, or whatever, and, and we get discouraged, and, and, and we waver, and then they say, you know, we're gone. And so Jesus says it's hard to get into heaven. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to make it into heaven. So he's, he's using hyperbole to exaggerate his point because a camel ain't fitting through the eye of a needle. Um, the rich person who is putting their trust in themselves and their stuff, they're not making it into heaven. Uh, it's like that camel trying to go through the eye of the needle. It's not happening. And so the disciples, they start freaking out, and, they, and, and the people around them, they're asking the question, well, at this point, who, who can be saved? Uh, and, and, and if you think about the disciples, they're, they're not rich. They're not high on the social ladder, if you will. They're, most of them, they're handpicked, and, the, and they were tax collectors who uh, are considered notorious sinners, the most hated. They're fishermen who are uneducated and unlearned. Uh, they fish for a living to try to make ends meet. They were just ordinary, average, your average, everyday dude or woman, and uh, and and so they're they're saying, okay, then if, if 
if it's hard to get into heaven, then who, who can be saved? What chance do we poor people have if the rich people aren't going to be able to make it? Jesus' answer, he says, what is, it, what is impossible for people is, is possible with God. In other words, salvation is impossible when it comes to man. Because salvation comes from God. Jesus is about to die on the cross in just a matter of weeks here in Luke 18. And he's going to be resurrected in three days. Anyone, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, can be saved if, if we put our trust in Jesus. And that's what Jesus is about to explain to them. But before he can... You know, Peter, as he so often does, sticks his foot in his mouth, and he, he's boldly uh, stepping out there, right? And he says, we've left our homes to follow you. We, we've given up everything, Jesus. We've left our families behind. we left our homes behind. we left our jobs behind, our way of living. we left all of that behind. We've given up everything to follow you. You don't even have a home. You, you're walking around from village to village, from city to city, from town to town, place to place. And, and you're sleeping under the stars, you know, if you have a tent and, and, and all kinds of weather, you, you know, you don't even have a house. You don't even have a home to go to. Go to. And, and we've left our houses. We've left everything that we know to follow you. We've risked our lives on a daily basis. We've watched people pick up stones to, to cast at you and to cast at us and to get rid of us. We gave everything up to follow you. And Jesus says, Yes, yes, you have. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. And that is the key to getting into heaven. No matter if you're rich, no matter if you're poor, no matter if you're middle, whatever, Jesus has to be first. Jesus has to be foremost in our lives. And that's exactly what Peter said to Jesus. Hey, we've given up everything to follow you, dude. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the first commandment that God gave Moses? In Exodus 21 through 4, this is it. God gave people, uh, gave the people all of these instructions. And he starts the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt. The place of your slavery. So he's he's reminded them what he's done for them and who he is. You must not have any other gods before. Uh, you must not have any other god but me. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. The very first thing that God tells the people is that, hey, I'm the one that's done this for you. I'm the one. You were crying out to me in slavery. You were crying out to me when the Egyptians were beating you. And, and, and you were crying out for deliverance. And I have sent Moses into the land. And I have delivered you out of the hand of Pharaoh, out of, out of Egypt. And I'm taking you to the land of promise, just like I made the covenant with Abraham. And... and so here's the deal. That I'm the one who did that. So you, you are not to have any other gods before me. Don't make any idols and worship those idols. And, 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 and nothing has changed for us today. And you say, well, Randy, I, I, don't, I don't have idols. I don't have 
carve carving images on wood or carving images of stone. I'm not worshiping idols, but I beg to differ. Because what an idol is, it's not necessarily that carving of the wood or the carving of the stone that, that people worshipped in the Bible days. And, and people still do it today. But an idol is really anything that we put before God. Think about that. An idol is anything that we put before God. It could be our kids. It could be our spouse. It could be our job. It could be our stuff. It could be our money. It, anything. And, and if you if you think about your life, and you and you make an assessment of your life and what you do, and, and whatever you devote the most time to, the the most money to, the most care to, it's a god. And so it better be God first then your spouse, then your children, and then whatever else. Anything that we put before God, it, it, it is an idol. And, and serving Jesus, it must be top priority. Because Jesus isn't our sidekick. He's not our homeboy, is the uh, the same well, I think, back in the 80s. Jesus is our leader. He is our Savior. Serving Him should be top priority, Right? Not something that we might do, you know, if I'm not too tired or if my kids don't have a ball game, uh, you know, or, uh, if, you know, unless I, you know, think about how, how often do you read God's word? You say, well, every time I try to sit down to read it, I fall asleep. Well, why is that? It's because you're not getting enough sleep. You're working too much and you're doing too many chores. You're doing too much stuff with your kids. And it's like, okay, God, I'm going to give you what's left. Nope, that's not how it works with God. God wants first fruits. Whenever you read through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, people gave their first fruits to God. That's what Pentecost was all about. Uh, people came to Jerusalem to offer their first fruits to God. And that's exactly what Peter is saying to Jesus. He says, dude, we have given up everything we've given up our homes we've given up our families we have given up everything that we know to follow you and jesus says that's right you have and you're going to be rewarded in this life and in the life that is to come for eternally Uh, you will be in heaven because you have done this thing and so jesus is going to take the 12 disciples away from all the distractions and he's going to explain to them What's about to happen in Jerusalem? And he says, Luke writes, taking the twelve aside, Jesus says, listen, I want you to listen close. We're going up to Jerusalem, right? We're on our way. And we're all of these predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man, they're going to come true. And so he's making them aware of what, oh, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And Jesus says, all of these prophecies, they're, they're, they're about to come true. He says, he will be handed over to the Romans. He will be mocked, treated uh, shamefully, and spit upon. And they will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. It cannot get any plainer than that. Jesus cannot break it down any more than that. It's very simply put. He's telling them what's about to happen. Listen to verse 34. But they didn't understand any of this. And the significance of his words was hidden from them. And they failed to grasp what he 
was talking about. And they never really understood until Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were filled with uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and they, they preached with boldness and conviction and the church uh, began. So even though these guys were Jews, they, they, they should know at least the prophecies concerning of the Messiah and what's going to happen to him. And Jesus has reminded them about these prophecies and what's about to happen. And, and, and they just don't get it. And, and, and this tells me something uh, about these disciples. People often won't come to Jesus because they think that they have to understand everything before they do. Let me say that again. People won't, often will not come to Jesus because they think that they have to understand everything before they do. Listen, the only thing you need to do to be saved is to understand that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. And you need Jesus to forgive your sins. And He's the only one that can do that. There's no, under, no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. That's why Jesus, we're celebrating Easter this weekend as I'm recording this. That is why Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected on the third day. That is the gospel message. That is the only thing you have to understand to be saved, to put your trust in Jesus, be baptized, fully immersed in water for the remission of your sins, where that old man is put in the watery grave, and you come up out of that watery grave, a new creation in Christ. And the rest will come as you walk on a daily basis with Jesus. You don't have to understand everything. Just understand that, hey, you need a Savior, and His name is Jesus and if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you do that today. And if you don't know how, please get in contact with me at thegrinditpodcast uh, at gmail.com. And I will help you. Uh, I will put you in touch with somebody in your area, no matter where you are. I will find somebody that will help you in your walk with Jesus. And so the last thing that, that uh, Luke is in chapter 18 where this Jesus is on his way uh, to Jerusalem. As Jesus approaches Jericho, he encounters this blind man, and the blind man hears the commotion of the crowd, and he asks someone what the commotion's all about, and they tell him that, hey, it's Jesus. And so the blind man, he starts yelling for Jesus, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people say, shut up, man, shut up. Don't bother Jesus. He's not got time for you. You're You're just a blind beggar. And, and and so instead of shutting up, he gets louder and louder and louder until he gets Jesus' attention. And Jesus stops and he says, hey, bring the guy over here to me. And when the guy gets over to Jesus, he, he Jesus asks him, he says, what, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? And he says, Lord, I want to see. And, and, and so I want to finish with this thought today. You know, Jesus knew that man was blind. He, he knew what the man wanted. But he still asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Why did Jesus ask him to tell him, what do you, what do you need from me? Well, the guy says, well, hey, I, I want to see. That, that's what I want from you. So why does, why, if Jesus knew that the man was blind, why did he ask him what he wanted? And I, I just want to run through this real quick. I believe it's the same reason that Jesus tells us today. He says, keep on asking, 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Matthew 6, 8, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask Him. So if, if God already knows what we need, then why pray? Why ask? Why seek? Why knock? What, again, why did Jesus ask this man what he needed if he already knew? Well, this is my opinion, but I, I believe he needed the man to acknowledge that he needed Jesus. And he needed to acknowledge what his need was out loud. And it was for the benefit for those that are around him. Sure, a lot of those people, that they knew that that man was blind, but there were people there that did not know that that man was blind. So Jesus says, hey, what do you need me to do for you? And he says, hey, I want to see. I'm blind here, dude. I need my eyes to be open. I want to be able to see like everybody else. And so Jesus says, hey, you got it. You want to see? You can see. I'm going to heal you. And so Jesus heals him. And so now the guy can see the crowd standing around him. And the people are praising God because of this healing. But now the people know exactly what the man needed. And they've seen his need be met. And so they are praising God and they're giving credit where credit belongs. James chapter 4 verses 2 and 3. James says, You desire... But do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Listen to this. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know, I tell people all the time, I can't help meet your need if I don't know your need. So you, you have to tell me your need in order that I can meet your need but that pride keeps us from doing that we, we want people to think we have our lives together that we don't need anything but the bottom line is we need each other and there's things that that i can help you with there's things that you can help me with but you can't help me if i don't tell you what i need and so jesus is saying hey what do you need because you need to ask god because if you ask god god will answer Jesus has promised that. He said that. That's what this chapter is about. And we're to keep on praying and to not give up. That's what Jesus said at the very beginning of Luke 18. But even though God already knows what we need, he, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God knew that they, they sinned. But what does he do? He comes walking through the garden in the cool of the day and he says, hey, where are you? He calls out to, to Adam and Eve, where are y'all? God, God knew where they were at. They wasn't hiding from God. God knows, God, God knows everything about us. He knows the very hairs that are on our head. He knows the situation we're facing. He knows what we're going through. He hears our prayers. He hears our cries. He knows the tears that fall from our eyes down our cheeks. But God wants us to acknowledge that, hey, I need you. Because I cannot do this on my own. I got to have your help. And that's what the blind man is saying to Jesus. He says, I, I, I want to see. I want to be able to, I, to receive my sight. I want to be able to see like everybody else. And Jesus says, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly, verse 43 says, the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. What do you need? Do you do you ask God, not in a selfish way, 
not only when you're you're in dire straits and you, and you've backed yourself in a spot that you can't get yourself out of, and you're crying out out of desperation, but what do you genuinely need from God? And are you asking God to meet that need? And let me take that a step further. Are you sharing that need with the people that are around you? Not so that they can gossip about you, but so that they can help meet that need. Because you can't get mad and upset, be mad and upset with people uh, that you have not shared your need with if they're not meeting your need. You have to share your need so people can meet your need. And God, this is the way God works a lot of times. He uses the people that are around you, that are around us, to meet our needs. So are you sharing your needs with God? Are you praying about your needs? And are you sharing your needs with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because that's what Hebrew says. We're here to lift each other up, to encourage one another, to motivate another one another to love and to good works. We have to have each other, but most importantly, we have to have God. We cannot do this on our own. Do not. And that's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Don't put your trust in yourself or in your stuff, in your money. Uh, like the rich young ruler uh, was, he was rich and he did not want to let go of his stuff. He did not want to sell it and give to the poor. He didn't want to help people. He, he acquired all this stuff. He had worked hard for it, and he didn't want to give it up. He was selfish. And so we have to have a heart filled with humility, and we humble ourselves before God and before each other, and we say, look, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I can't make, I can't make it on my own. I have to have help. God, I need you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I need you. Will you pray for me about this situation? Will you help meet the need of this situation? And you will be amazed at how the people of God will come through to lift you up, to encourage you, and to help meet your needs so that God will be glorified in your life. What can we pray for you today? Please, 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 please send me an email at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com and we want to pray for you and we want to help meet that need if we can. And if we can't, we will find somebody who can. No matter where you're at, we will reach out to you in your area and put you in contact with somebody that can help you there where you live. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today. And remember to share the Grinded Podcast with others so that they can have the hope, so that they can have the encouragement, so they can have what the Bible says, the exhortation, the, the, the gentle encouragement with a push because that's what we're here to do, to help each other. So share this podcast with others so that they too can have the hope that you have. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.